Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are watching on YouTube, please do not forget to click the like and subscribe button and also smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time that we go live. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, just check out our YouTube channel or the YouTube channel of the CMS Network. And if you'd like to catch audio replays of the show, just Google Talking Into Infinity Podcast. Without further ado, let's bring on my very good friend, uh, Mr. Andy Dufresne. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. Uh, dude, I love that you decided to pull up a movie poster as well because I, 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 I kind of had that thought. So that's why I've got Wes Craven's New Nightmare and you've got the Shawshank Redemption. Two of two of 1994's most fantastic releases, but I have another one to show you very quickly. This will be just for the video people here. So uh, I thought this one would work as well. <laughs> Jeez. So there's Dumb and Dumber, since that's me and you. <laughs> so I, I was going to go with that, but then I thought, nah, New Nightmare works better. So um, I'll never forget the first time I met Andy Dufresne. <laughs> that that movie is so incredible. It is just so damn good, and it, yeah, I, I can't you, believe it was a bomb in the theater. I was one of the few that saw it in the theater. I don't know if you did, because um, I'm like, oh, based on not. a Stephen King, you know, story, whatever. And then I saw the director. I'm like, how could you not see this? <clears throat> yep. But yeah, it turned into like this. It's one of those if it's on, you can't not watch it. Yeah. How can you possibly turn it off, even if you've seen it 400 times? Yeah, it's it's such a phenomenal movie, dude. Like it was funny because when I was looking up backgrounds, I I was gonna pick that one, but I thought, ah, that's a little obvious. And I know that you're a big fan of that movie. And I thought, well, if he decides to go the movie route, I think he might pick that. And I was right. So <laughs> there we go. You know, the new nightmare. I I love that. That's the one where they did the twist where they're having the nightmares while they're filming the movie as the actors or whatever as the actresses. Well, yeah, it, it's it's basically like, you know, almost like Freddy's real and right. the movies were just movies yeah. type of a thing. That was done really yeah. well. Yeah. So, all right, well, you know, before we get started, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the 1984 deep dive we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, a couple weeks from now, we will be doing a deep dive into Dream Theater's latest record, A View from the Top of the World. So we'll have that for you in a couple weeks. Uh, tonight, however, we are doing something that we've done a couple times already, and it's been it's been really fun, kind of interesting to see where we land on stuff that's... Uh, Kind of dream theater related, kind of not. So uh, 
we've done the year 1989 and we've done the year 1992 which means we are on to 1994 and tonight we have walked into a time machine we have a delorean and we have decided to go back in time to 1994 so i will i am graduating high school i'm about oh 90 pounds lighter than i am now and uh yeah just as nerdy so uh you were you were just graduating high school too right because you were held back about seven times <laughs> yeah that's my fourth time through <laughs> you were the slow kid <laughs> so what did you legit weigh like your senior year of high school uh i i fluctuated between 150 and 155 pounds from the time i was 14 till i was just shy of 30 okay and i'm 245 right now i think i was like 140 which is like i mean that just to even think about that right now i mean i'm (laughs) like 179 now or whatever roughly you know i try to always stay under 180 if i can but like to think like i don't know it just doesn't that seem hilarious when you see pictures of yourself? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, it's funny because my wife has seen them, and, and we were talking literally just the other day talking about it. And you know, we were saying that you know me back then looked like you would say, "Oh man, get that guy a sandwich." And now you look at me now, it's like, "Oh God, get the sandwich out of that guy's hand." <laughs> well, I remember like some of your some of your old band stuff. Um, so, what was the one video you showed me where it was like you with that metal band, and you were in that big theater outside? metal was, band yeah remember that it was i don't think it was your same band or it was your your band before you'd had all your n- new members in it it was like a really old guy playing guitar i think i are you are you talking about like with with the cover band in, in the in the ohio no. theater was that a cover band i thought you guys did some originals if you're ta- i was only ever in two original bands so it was either gatlin or apg okay but it was that one where you're you only guys were like a three piece, weren't you? Or did you have four? No, I are you, you thinking of somebody else? No, you remember when we did the video night and you came over and played that video and it was like super old and you were outside in that oh. big theater. Yeah, that was that was Gatlin. That was Gatlin, but before you had yeah. all the okay. Yeah. But man, you look like one of those guys that like in like seventh grade was growing a mustache or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Even though I know you were obviously older, like it just looked hilarious. On you. Like, I, I was nine. I was nineteen in that video. Hair, yeah, you look. You looked way, way younger. I thought, but of course, oh, some yeah. of the guys were really old. But, but well, uh, that was twenty-seven years ago. <laughs> so, I guess that'll happen. But uh, yeah. Well, our our buddy uh, Joseph Wren, Discuss Metal Joe from the Discography Discussions, tuning in says, "Riding nerdy into the council." This is not the council, Joe. This is talking into infinity. Come on now. So uh, he's trolling us already. So back to the topic. Yeah, it's 1994. We went in our time machine, and we go into a record store to try and purchase a wake, and it's not available. So we each have to pick 10 different albums that we would purchase since we cannot purchase a wake. And I will say that this year started out shitty. And I remember it. Like I, w- I was going through the, the list of albums in chronological order, their release dates, and, and I, most of my stuff is from late in the year. And it's it was really funny. We were emailing today, me and you, and it was really funny for me to go back and revisit a lot of these albums because, you know, as I said a couple minutes ago, like I graduated high school in 1994. So hearing, listening to a lot of these records in, you know, 
back to back and and reviewing them kind of was really nostalgic and i was like wow like it was weird kind of revisiting the year that i graduated high school so did you have any like crazy throwback memories listening to any of this or was it just another year for you you know i was kind of all over the place musically because grunge was kind of sort of you know taking over or whatever the it kind of sort of flooded the whole market or whatever and you know the hair metal was sort of gone and so i was kind of searching for a lot of different stuff and uh and i found some really cool stuff on here i found a lot of it really really dark except for a a couple couple exceptions it seemed like some really heavy heavy dark you know subjects and topics and and albums that came out that year from what i've got on my list at least yeah i would i would agree uh it was definitely but I mean, that was kind of like the, the product of the grunge era, though, wasn't it? I mean, you know, the 80s yeah. hair metal was completely dead by then. Yep. And now you've got all these like shoegazing bands coming in and, and kind of taking over. So, um, all right. Why don't you go first? What, all right, so, as I said, I have mine listed in release date order, but you actually kind of ranked yours. So are, we have we have one that's similar that we're going to save for the end and anything else we have not told each other. So. This is like, you know, first time first time reaction to each other's list. So I will let you go first. I'm going to go number 10. I'm going to go the soundtrack for the movie The Crow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I remember um, soundtracks, you know, were always just super hit or miss. Sometimes you'd buy, the, you'd go, oh, I'd love that one song. It's, I know it's in the movie. And then you get it and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> There's nothing else. But this one, man, I, I, I love just about everything on this. It starts out with a song, uh, the cure, by uh, the cure called "Burn." I love that song. Uh, Nine Inch Nails is a cover of a Joy Division song, "Dead Souls." It's a song they almost always play live now. It's a huge. Okay. Uh, "Darkness" by Rage Against the Machine is a real slow kind of thing, and then turns into one of their kind of funk standards. It was a really cool song, and they're called "Milk Toast" by Helmet. Um, Helmet was one of those bands. Almost everything I heard of theirs, uh, I think, was in the meantime or unsung. I always get the album title and the songs messed up. I loved, loved that record and the song "Milk Toast" on there is really cool. Pantera does a cover of a Poison Idea song. Now I'm not going to pretend that I ever heard the original. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like a hardcore punk band. Yep. Uh, called the Badge. Really cool. You know, Phil delivers. These guys sound great on it. So. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those that you excuse me, you get at least six really good songs and the ones that you know, I don't never even heard of some of these names on here like they're still pretty decent, you know, song wise. Yeah. So yeah, I just remember Dark Heavy which fits the movie. I don't do you remember The Crow at all? I think I saw it once and thought, I think I oh, thought yeah. it was okay, but uh I don't know if is it one of those movies that even holds up at all today or no. Oh yeah. I, well, at least for me. I love The Crow. And ironically, I love the crow and was not a fan of the soundtrack. But th- that's all the, you know the kind this type of stuff I wasn't into, you yep. know. So, but yeah, the movie itself is awesome. Uh, man, oh man, it, it, it talk about dark and dreary and just especially knowing that he got killed on set, you know, it's like that. That kind of adds to the whole mystique of the thing. And um, yeah, it's it's just creepy and I don't, I don't know it's it's got such a cool atmosphere to it i love that movie so if you haven't seen it in a while go back to it, it it's really really cool you know i mean it's i mean i guess you could consider it maybe a little campy but it's so like i say it just 
it just sucks you in so much because of the visuals that it's like one of those things that you know you yeah. can overlook the campiness because it's such a visual experience didn't they make a series or something did you ever see that or no they may have uh i don't remember that was back when like usa would make a series out of like anything basically <laughs> right. it's probably them that did it i was just curious yeah. But, yeah i'll have to go check out the crow again uh cam mcleish good to see you man uh, he says, when was Dehumanizer? Obviously, he's talking about the Black Sabbath record. Uh, uh, the list that I saw, Kale, Dehumanizer, I don't think was this year. I think it was Cross Purposes I saw, which I, yes. I, I'm i betting money that is gonna that is going to be on Hendrickson's list. So we'll find out later. But uh, yeah, I think Kale, Dehumanizer might be 92. That was I know that was like it. One of the songs was on the Wayne's World 2 soundtrack. Or 95, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Look at Kale. I don't know any bands released something I want in 1994. <laughs> he wasn't even born, was he? I, I would assume not. I, I, well, maybe. I don't think so. I never know how old Kale is. Sometimes I think he's like 17. Other times I think he's like 42, and he's just lying <laughs> all over. He's an enigma. He's a baby so, face. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my my first record on my list was released on January 25th of 1994 and uh pretty popular record uh and it is an EP actually it is uh Jar of Flies by Allison Chains so I'm I'm a big Allison Chains fan and I I thought and I've always thought that Jar of Flies is just a really cool kind of departure from like the hard rock that they normally do um even like the goofy like that bluesy tune, what's it called, Whale and Wasp or something at the end. Um, it, you know, you've got that, like that kind of like you know shuffly type of thing, but it's got their creepy like three part harmonies over the top of it, and you know, and but the rest of it is just really melodic, really well written, and it's mellow and just really good, and I think it sits very well next to the other stuff in the catalog. It's that breather moment for them. And I it's, you know, truth be told, I really like to sing a lot of that stuff. So I've sang most of that EP live at one time or another. And uh, it's just totally fun to dig into those harmonies and, you know, learn just the intricacies of it. Because Lane Staley wrote all the harmonies for Alice in Chains. And he was just a... When you really get into what he did, man, that guy... I, I think he's underrated because whenever people talk about you know, the singers of that era. It's always Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder and stuff like that. It's like and Lane gets mentioned, but not nearly as much as he needs to. And I, I think he's the best. So uh, Mike Schollenberger tuning in. Good to see you, man. He says, hey, guys, several great albums for me in 94. Jar of Flies is definitely in my top 10 as well. Well, a man of good taste, Mike. Appreciate you getting on my side there. So you know what's uh, hilarious to me is <clears throat> an album like Facelift and then you go these guys can do something like jar of flies. Like you wouldn't see that coming a million miles away. There's no way. And it's so like, I just, I had to pull it up just because I couldn't remember, you know, all exactly what was on there. But I mean, three in a row here, nutshell, I stay away and no excuses. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, just, just incredible acoustic pieces of music. And like you said, melodically lean and, and, and can't their voices. The harmonies are just, I mean, I could, I, I could see why you love singing. I mean, it's great singer stuff. I mean, who the hell would not yep. love seeing that if you know and you got a great voice for doing that stuff? But thank you, man. But yeah, uh, yeah man. I mean, it's just such a contrast. Like, I just would never 
think that a band like that could do something like that you know yeah that's why i like it so much it's like after you get facelift and dirt then they then they put this put this out you're like wow man like and and again like i i'm i'm a big like a lot of the stuff on my list here uh well i i can't say a lot but it's definitely like vocalist driven i noticed and i just love the vocals in alice and chain so and this record definitely showcases them so all right what do you have next on your list uh next i have it looks like kale put this one on there um super unknown Soundgarden. i love and speaking of vocals and harmonies and things that are done on some my wave i mean i love the way the vocals bounce all over the place in that thing like it's like a round in certain parts i mean it's so damn good and the rhythm section is so great spoon man i always thought that was a killer song like the only one on there, like I just, I'm so tired, I can't even stand it. If Black Hole Sun, like they can just, they can put that song in the dirt and bury it in the desert somewhere for five million years. <laughs> but I fell on Black Days. I still love the title track. I love, I mean, just a, a dark, harrowing, brutal album. But there's plenty of melody, and, and I think it's Cornell at his absolute finest vocally. Like he, he does the heavy, but he does the melody stuff with it, and I just think they're. I just think they're clicking on all cylinders and they never, you know, I, I think it's the, the true apex of this, this band I think is super unknown to me. Okay. I, I will uh, refrain comment. Uh, Soundgarden is, is one of my least favorite bands. It just go. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, okay. So Chris Cornell has an amazing voice. He's such a phenomenally talented or was such a phenomenally talented vocalist, but I just can't stand the guy's tone. It's it's the, I mean that's the reason why I can't listen to Winery Dogs. You know, it's a Portnoy project and stuff, but uh Richie Kotzen when he sings sounds so similar to Chris Cornell to me that I'm like I can't I can't listen to it. So I just yeah. I couldn't stand the tone of Cornell's voice. Even though he was an absolutely phenomenal phenomenal vocalist. So um you know, I I will say Soundgarden is one. I have kind of like a funny memory about them. I was reading Guitar World back around that time, and Gavin Rossdale from Bush, who I like, I hate Bush. Like they're in my top three most hated bands, and that guy just sucks. Yeah, and he he, he was calling Kim Thiel a garbage guitar player. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> you only play power chords, you piece of shit. Who who are you gonna call a crap guitar player? I mean, what is that? So, I, and that—that's one time I got Soundgarden's back. But um, yeah, Soundgarden really not. Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, Chastity's checking in. This is good. Okay, so Chastity Crawley, good to see you. Real quick, I got your email, and you are more than welcome to come on and co-host with us for a bit on the uh, fan hangout on December thirtieth. So you are in. Uh, so Chastity emailed us asking if she could jump on the fan hangout. Nice. uh, She says, super late, but finally have time to sit and watch the entire live. Learning a lot and getting a list of albums to check out. Uh, Yeah, I as much as I'm saying that I don't like Super Unknown and Soundgarden Chastity, that is a hugely popular record. And most of my friends like Soundgarden. They say that that's an absolutely incredible, uh, incredible album. So I would definitely check that one out. Well, including Mike Schollenberger, Super Unknown, also one of my top albums of all time. Wow, that's like look at that pretty high damn praise <laughs> almost seems like we're pandering now <laughs> so how did chance did you find out i was curious when we have new people and did she just search dream theater podcast or do you know her or 
No, she just emailed us out of the blue when we, uh, we were nice. talking a couple episodes ago about the fan hangout on December 30th and how people can co-host Sweet. with us. Um, and if, by the way, guys, if you want to co-host with us on December 30th for our fan hangout, it's a Friday night. Uh, just email talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, she, I think she just Googled us or something. All right. So, well, this uh, guy, I do know John Tobiran, uh, big John, one of my buddies, 94 freshman year, downward spiral, far beyond driven. Gee, I wonder if that's going to show up on anyone's list. Ready to die corn and purple STP. Yeah, those are all those are all awesome choices, man. Oh, don't make me spit out my iced tea, you jerk. Oh, my God. All right, so moving on to the next one to my list. This is from March 15th of 1994, and it's actually a collection. So it's basically like a greatest hits, and it is a greatest hits that was put together solely to pay for this artist's divorce, and it pissed off the band that he was in. I am talking about none other than my favorite singer of all time, Samuel Roy Hagar, his uh, greatest hits album, Unboxed. So even though it's a greatest hits, um, man, I mean, Sammy, I, I could listen to Sammy sing anything. Just sing, as I always say, like sing the phone book. And it's got some great tunes on here. Uh, a couple of them are not, you know, his standard fare. Unfortunately, it doesn't feature your favorite Sammy song, Brian, Dick in the Dirt. But, um, you know... <laughs> Every every time I listen to VOA and that comes up, I just laugh because I know how much you hate that, right. <laughs> that lyric. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, not much to say because it's a greatest hits album. But I, I just, man, I I love Sammy's stuff, and and it's just a really good collection. And, you know that has you know a wide range of his things. It's it's not too long either. It's not like one of those like here's thirty songs. I think it's like fourteen tunes or twelve tunes. So, uh, yeah, Sammy Hagar. Again, not much to say except for Sammy fucking rocks, and I love the guy. So. Yeah, that's that's the next one on my list. So what do you have? You're, since you're going from the bottom, you're at what, number eight now? I'm at number eight, and this okay. is arguably the happiest album. And, and we really, I think we really, really needed this album to come out when it did. I think it was more towards the summer, but you're the expert on that. And we have, the, without this album, this band would not be what they are today. It absolutely made them complete sensations everywhere. Green Day, Dookie. That was one that I pulled off my list to keep it to 10. But yeah, I mean, what, what else can you say? It's like, it's one of those where other than, well, you can put, you're a drummer, so you can play drums, but it's one of those where I can pick up and be like, okay, I could probably play every song guitar and every song on bass. I can't play drums like that. No way. But, but you know, you could sing every song you could, you could fart around with them on your acoustic guitar and play them all. You know, it's just, it's, we've talked about this before, how, how hard it is to make an album of songs like Dookie. Because they sound so damn easy, and it's not easy to do that. It is extremely difficult to play the same three chords that every band has used for 40 years now or 30 years, whatever it is that rock's been around, and make them sound different and make them sound new and make them sound fresh and make you feel something when you hear it. And that's what, I mean, borderline every single song on this album does. It's just fun. I mean, what, what, yeah. what's not fun about this? I mean, I, you almost have to be in a coma and you can totally hate Green Day for what they are now or their political views or what or anything else and say, well, they haven't done anything in, in 10 years. Who cares? They did this. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter if they did anything else after this. They did this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just think it's just great. Like, it's just one of those where you I kind of forget about it. I'm like, oh, man, it's Green Day, too. Yeah, I don't, you know, even though you've heard, you know, half the songs on here four million times, it's just it's just a great album. Well, there's a reason you've heard them four million times because they're kick-ass tunes. 
Yeah. I mean, in, in the in the cover band, we play Basket Case, you know, every night, and people go bonkers for it. Sure. Why wouldn't you? So it's a great, fun, great song. Yeah, you're right, though. This is a really, really fun album to listen to. And especially back then, like, I really got into it, again, because there was that fun factor, and it wasn't all dark and dreary and just blah, like all the, the grunge stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the, you don't have to think when you're listening to it. You just put it on, you're, like, bouncing and singing and, you know, yay. And, you know, it's just it's just a good, fun thing to kind of dig into. I think that's, you know... There's really not much more you can say about Dookie than it's fun. I mean, it's it's not like some, you know, musical masterpiece. It, it's, you know, there's there's not much to it. It's just, you know, some dudes getting stoned and playing punk tunes and being accused of selling out. So, Well, I'll, I'll always remember, too, like that concert at Blossom where they just, just the lawn <laughs> just got absolutely destroyed and mud yep. was being thrown everywhere. And it was just like. I don't know. Didn't they have to pay like twenty thousand dollars to resod blossom or something? Yeah, it was it was bad. It was, it was bad, bad, but it was still awesome at the same time. I don't know. It was just like any band that can get to get the crowd to do that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think they did a very good job of resodding that place either because I was there a few years later for Ozfest and it might have been during shitty Godsmack and somebody hurled a chunk of sod and then another one and all of a sudden it looked like a like a dome of flying sod. It was like raining sand. I was like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna Head for the you know head for the safety of the pavilion. It, th- that thing was a was a disaster. So look at look at Kale with the bad joke. Was Dookie the time of your life? <laughs> Shut up, Kale. Album. No, I think he's thinking. He's asking if that was on that album, or he's uh, trying to make a joke. I don't know. Discuss Metal Joe, one of the best '90s albums. It's punk. It's pop. It's rock, and it has phenomenal lyrics and songwriting. I totally agree on that. Yeah, it's it's a great record, man. It's really good. Even if you don't like, like you said, I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong's become basically a douchebag. But back then, they were just idiots playing like punk tunes, and it was fun. It was cool. So I, I do hate though when some people be like, "That's not punk." I'm like, I don't care. It's good. I like it. Like that's no true punk. All right, well, that's not true punk. Then fine. Person it, who's allowed to say what's punk and what's not. <laughs> Well, hey, metalheads do that too. That's not metal. So oh, I, I know, I you know. know, the gate, gatekeeping is real. And I, I mean, I, I, I read about them back then, and and they were they caught a lot of shit for Dookie because they had a couple records before that that were actually considered like really punk, and they were all on the scene. And then they did Dookie, and everyone's like, "Fuck you!" They did that so, thing where they sold out and put melody in their music, like we did <laughs> right. Metallica. Oh, you put melody in there, you bastards! It made it accessible. How dare you? Yeah. So speaking of accessible, the next record on my list was released on March 22nd of 1994, and it is easily one of the most accessible records on my list. And uh, it actually debuted at number one, and it, I believe, was the first true, like, extreme metal record to debut at number one. Of course, I'm talking about Far Beyond Driven, the masterpiece by Pantera. And, uh, of course, it is not easy to listen to and all that as... uh, Philip Anselmo said at the end of the Pantera video, it'll be difficult to listen to, it'll be angry, it'll be abrasive, and it'll kick you in the fucking balls of the pussy. <laughs> so, and uh, I would I would say that that was achieved on this record. This is definitely a, um, oh my God, this record is the sound of being punched in the face over and over again. But the, the cool thing to me about this record is that the second half is just weird. I've always thought that. It's it's a phenomenal record, but the second side has these weird 
just weird things that they're doing and yet it still meshes with the rest of their stuff so well but it was really experimental on that second side i always thought um and but it, it does have some incredible incredible riffs like slaughtered you know i mean pantera just in my eyes could do no wrong i absolutely love pantera they're definitely in my top four or five favorite bands love dimebag pissed that he's not around uh like i said on the van halen episode like you know, sucks that we lost Eddie and Ted Nugent still here. I'd say that about Dimebag and Ted Nugent. So, you know, maybe, maybe we can make a trade, a two-for-one. <laughs> Bring back Dime and Eddie and take Ted. But, uh, yeah, Far Beyond Driven. Do you, ha- do you have that on your list? I do have that on my list. I, I won't see you where would. it is when we get there. I'll tell you. But, uh, okay. yeah, man, I mean, you know, I just becoming five minutes alone. I'm broken. Good friends in a bottle of pills. What a drugged out. You know, no pun intended, <laughs> trippy song that is. Right. You know what? It's funny. You mentioned Slaughter in that second side and whatever. Like, by the time I get to that, I'm just exhausted. Like, I, I there's like a two, three song thing that I'm ready for them to go ahead and just get to their cover of Planet Caravan, which is yeah. phenomenal, which like fits perfectly for the end of that record because it is like a journey into just God knows what and yep. who knows what's going on. And you're, you know, like, I would love to like listen to that like if you've been awake for like two days or something and just like sit down in like a dark room or something. See, you, I guarantee you'd start hallucinating. Like, yeah. <laughs> listen to an album like that, you know. Yep. But uh, yeah, like you said, there's just I mean, just so many great songs on there. I, I'm glad you mentioned Planet Caravan because for me, that's for some reason that's the song that I always think about when I think about Dimebag and like him being gone. It's like I just for some reason I just picture that song and it's like kind of like a beautiful kind of capper to it and it, it like you said it's a great way to end that record because it's like that deep breath at the end so i i've always i've always thought that as well so i'm really glad that you brought that up uh discuss metal joe is going to get banned for the chat for bringing up unanswerable questions <laughs> he says you get one choice vulgar display of power or far beyond driven which do you choose i that, choose vulgar i don't think it's close as much as i just said i love this album man i love vulgar i just love it i i don't think i could answer it without thinking a lot yeah so that that might have to be like one of our cage matches we'll have to we'll have to match up the match up the song counts and like maybe do a cage match vulgar versus far beyond driven um i i I love them both and the reason it's difficult is because i have a little bit of a bias and this argument right off the top of my head for Far Beyond Driven because Vulgar Display, all those main songs were so overplayed. You know, like Mouth for War and Walk and New Level and This Love. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you you hear... So it's like, okay, well... And, like, how do you remove that from the equation? So it's... Well, plus, you know, Far Beyond Driven is way more experimental for lack of a better word you know yeah i mean like yeah it's not as straightforward yeah it's it's like if you got if like the first half is if vulgar got a little bit weird and then the second half is if they were just like yeah now we're all fucked up (laughs) so all right so yeah so far beyond driven i absolutely love it we'll we'll have to dig into pantera on another episode man because i love pantera i don't know about you i'm a huge huge pantera guy so so how far will you drive for the I don't know. Are we? We're not calling it a reunion. We're a celebration, I guess. Let's just use that word. How far yeah. will you drive to go see that? 
Um, three hours. Two. No, I th- I think I would drive as far as like New York City or something. Oh wow, okay, like eight hours. I mean, dude. But I mean, here's why though. My wife never got to see Pantera live, and my stepson never got to see Pantera live. And he's a huge, huge metal guy. Like he okay. loves everything. His two favorite bands are the Beatles and Slipknot, for Christ's sakes. But he listens to rap and country <laughs> and everything. Dude, That's he's amazing. That's so dude, awesome. I'm I'm not kidding, dude. When he runs the radio in the car, you'll hear like seven different genres. It's the weirdest thing. I I love that about him. But he he absolutely loves Pantera. It's like one of the first heavy bands he got into, and of course he never got to see him, you know, because he was born in two thousand and one. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna drop some coin on that Pantera, Pantera celebration reunion, whatever you want to call it. That's that's gonna be a pricey one for me. <laughs> so, how about you? Yeah, I, I want to see it. I mean, I'm sure that they'll be closer than that. You know, they're they're gonna have to hit it you know chicago detroit or pittsburgh or something but yeah i'll see it i mean it, i guess it's going to still be a while because i don't know if you read zach hasn't even started learning the song yeah so yeah maybe he'll like once they have the dates to him that's when he's like all right i'll screw it i'll start learning them but you know how yeah. that goes like unless you know for sure you're gonna have to learn or play something like i'm not gonna learn it right now <laughs> like, dude i read a rumor online that they're getting 250 million dollars <throat> to do that that run i can't that doesn't sound possible to me dude pantera was huge absolutely yeah, not gonna huge. sell twenty thousand seaters there's no I, way i they might sell ten thousand i mean they might maybe and in some do of like, those, like a year and a half two years well if they do some of those like stadiums over you know in other countries or something maybe I, that sounds oh yeah Shit, well, especially, I, don't pay, it, I don't want to pay two hundred dollars to see this either i'm already in for that so that's I'm, I'm down. Yeah, that's, so. you and I are always different when it comes. To <laughs> right. I'm like, wait, it's uh, more than five bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. Screw this. All right. So number seven on your list, which what, what do you have? I have the debut vocal appearance by Pepper Keenan when he joined Corrosion of Conformity. Wow. Uh, Deliverance. Okay. Um. You know, it's kind of funny because we were just talking Pantera, and he. You know, was kind of the main. I don't know if he's the main guy, but at least second main guy in the other. I'm drawing a blank here. What's the uh, Pantera side thing? Pantera. Oh, down. Down. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite of up. <laughs> yeah. No, but this band, like, it was weird. What I remember, my roommate had this CD. The guy I told you, Steve Bat, used to work at Scene, and he had the CD, and I was like, oh, I thought these guys were like. You know, they switched. They used to be a hardcore kind of a punk band, a hardcore at least. And they and Pepper Keenan joined, and it's like it's a real. It really reminds me of like Skinnerd metal, and like Skinnerd gets a gets a bad rap for stupid stuff like Sweet Home Alabama. But man, they have some killer, killer tunes like Saturday Night Special. I mean, that are that are bordering on, bordering on hard rock metal. You know. And and that's what I think that this band kind of brings out. There's a song on there called Albatross that I love. Like he's, he's almost channeling like an inner Ronnie Van Zant. Okay. Great riff. Uh a song called Broken Man. There's a really cool acoustic interlude, like two minutes barely. You know, it's the acoustic guitar thing they do. It's called Without Wings. But yeah, just an album that just comes out of nowhere and you're like, wait, this is so so I'm sure people who are true fans of corrosion of conformity absolutely probably thinks this is the worst thing that ever came into existence because it's nothing remotely like their their old stuff but i just think it's a right. 
great album. They went on to do another album. Uh, well, they did multiple, but uh, one of my favorites they did, I think it was called Wise Blood. Um, that was a great album, but or a great song nonetheless. But uh, yeah, Deliverance, Corrosion of Conformity. Well, see, you're educating me. I didn't know that Pepper Keenan wasn't in the band all the time. So there you go. <clears throat> yeah, no, he wasn't. Brian, uh, Discuss Metal Joe, Brian, Swamp Music, Mic Drop. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Swamp Metal, I guess. It's funny because when you're when I'm looking at up some of this stuff just to try to refresh myself, you know, that says things like stoner rock and yeah, I always kind of thought stoner rock, I don't know, sort of sucked to be honest. <laughs> so, like, I like Caius. Like, I was never into like 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 I like some Queens of the Stone Age stuff, but I didn't like Caius or anything. And I don't know, the Sword I, or whatever some of those bands are. I was just like, eh. Well, the Sword just broke up, so there you go. I know. Um, they're now the knife. <laughs> the machete <laughs> um yeah the only the only one of those bands i ever really listened to for a just a split second was like crowbot and that's because i saw them open for uh actually i think it might have they might have opened for uh sons of apollo and i was okay. like oh this is kind of cool so i listened to it a little bit but i'm with you i don't i don't really dig it so uh moving on to the next one on my list this one was released August 9th of 1994, and I am going with yet another really heavy record. I'm going with Burn My Eyes, the debut record from Machine Head. Brian, I know that's a band you like. Um, I've always loved this record. This was one of the first like really heavy records that I, I got into. Um, it was definite, I was definitely like a Metallica guy. It was right at the end of my run of being a huge Metallica fan because they were just about to put out Load the next year. But yeah, I I you know started getting into Pantera, and then I found this one because I heard Divi- I forget where I heard Davidian, but that Let Freedom Ring with a Shotgun Blast. I'm like, holy god! So and it was all you know, like you know detuned and everything with the guitars, and it was just brutal. And I love this record. I I go back to this record a lot, and you know again, Brian, like I was saying, I I know that you're you know, a machine head guy. You you like some of the records. So where do you stand on Burn My Eyes? I I just think it's solid straight through. I think it's really, really good. It was hard to leave this off my list. And the <laughs> only reason I left it off my list is I love like some of the new stuff. Like this, the new album is absolutely amazing. And then they okay. did a three album run that I love before that. Um as good as this is what they turn into now, I just absolutely think is it's so much more uh mature but but this is great stuff for the time i mean i remember i I bought this this was another one of my joined the columbia album club five you know for the 12th time (laughs) yeah davidian i mean a thousand lies um nation on fire blood for blood i mean it's just, just yeah you know just a great brutal heavy album and 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 um yeah it's it's hard to argue anything on this one yeah, I I think this this record has like one of their most underrated songs, the closer block. I have always lo- that song is just it's just an ass kicker. I mean, all the parts are busy, but with like still like a really cool groove and headbang. Oh man, I love that song, love that song. So yeah, when I saw this in the nineteen ninety four catalog, I was like, oh yeah, burn my eyes, dude. Hell yeah. So this was an easy choice for me. Alrighty, so at number what would be it would be six for you, I believe. What do you have at number six on your list? Number six, I have Boston Walk On. Interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, Boston is one of those bands I think you either love or you just don't give two shits about whatsoever. <laughs> right. Because it's such a tight-knit thing run by Tom Schultz, and he's such an innovator in terms of, like, all of his own custom amps, his own custom effects, his own, like, he even designs the PA that goes out and Boston uses live when they play massive outdoor amphitheaters. I did not know that. Yeah. And this album just continues that just giant wash of vocals and 400 layers of chorus and delay and, and everything. And I don't know. I just, I, the title song and a song surrender to me. I love what's your name. A song called Magdalene that like that it's, it's just singing at the, you know, just basically ripping the top of your head off, you know, the register that, that, you know, they still have on that Brad Delph still has on there, whatever. I mean, it just, I, I don't know it this album to me is just front to back. It's kind of weird. Like the production is always funky. Like the guitars and everything sound great, but the drums always sound kind of funky and <laughs> excuse me, electronic sounding or whatever. I don't even think they're real drums half the time, but he does really cool things with organs, you know, old school Hammonds in there. And uh, I don't know, the guy just knows how to craft and make these just giant anthems and, and uh, no one else can really do that the way he does. Yeah. I, I'll be completely honest. I, I don't know much about Boston. Go figure. <laughs> and so I, I love doing these because like some of the stuff you talk about, I've checked out. It turns out to be really, really good because I just it's not anything I, w- I would ever think to go out and look for myself. And Boston's one of them. But I mean, phenomenal band. So I, I always get we, it's funny. We were just talking about this with the cover band the other day. We were talking about like how we always get Boston and Kansas confused. <laughs> so. Yeah. They don't, they don't sound anything alike if you actually dig into the albums. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, speaking of bands that don't sound anything alike on September 27th of 1994, there was an album released that I think is criminally underrated in this band's catalog. I also think it's pretty much the last great record that they did because i'm not a fan of what came out afterwards with there's a few exceptions but uh so again sticking with the theme here another very heavy band i am going with divine intervention by slayer and i've caught a lot of crap over the years from a lot of people saying that this is a good record and i i will stand by it i listen i listened to it today for the first time in quite a while and I'm sorry. I, I think it's I think it's a great Slayer record, man. I really like it. It's got the really fast, thrashy stuff. It's, you know, really kind of the first time they had they inter- introduced kind of like that slower, sludgy thing that they'd kind of really dig into as their albums would progress. I, you know, I love the title track. That uh Ditto Head is just that quintessential speed thrash, you know, Slayer tune that people love. And Let's face it, right now it's topical, Brian, because it has the Jeffrey Dahmer song 213 on it. <laughs> so it, it's funny. I, I, I remember that they had that. And, you know, obviously that doc, the two documentaries or the docu-series and then the actual documentary is all over Netflix right now. So I went and looked up the words to it and I was like, or the lyrics, and I was like, wow, okay. And then I listened to it today and I was like, man, that's, God, that's, it's always, isn't it weird like when you actually know what a song's about, how it just changes your the whole listening experience it's i know that's probably a really dumb goddamn stock thing to say but it it it, it 
it just always happens for me like that when I really know what something's about. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're into Slayer at all or not. And if so, like, did you like this record? Is it just you're like, I don't remember it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Chris Aiken, Brian, turn his camera off. His iced tea <laughs> has to be spiked. Our buddy Chris Aiken. Aiken, I'm sorry, man. I yeah. I really like this record. I mean, you, you can't you can't tell me that shit like God hates us all and, you know, repentless that came after are better than this. There's no way. There's well, no- I will. First of all, I thought someone's going to bust me because I just realized that. Um, sorry, I want to backtrack real quick here. Boston Walk On is the first album that did not have Brad Delp on it, but they get us. They, they got a singer that sounds exactly like him. So I want to clarify that before I get lambasted. I know nothing <laughs> at all about the Slayer album, honestly. I okay, yeah. So I'll be honest. I, I like Slayer. Um, I think on some of the newer stuff, I've heard some stuff I thought was pretty cool, you know. But I just, I think I kind of got to that point in my life where I don't need a full Slayer album, you know. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll go if I want to see him live, you know. I'll, you know, see like the main stuff and then a couple new ones or whatever. It just, it just kind of gets to be a little too much for me. Um, yeah. Just be, you know, just being bashed over the head with, you know, <laughs> death and killing and, you know, and Satan and whatever. I, I don't know. I, I do think they did grow, though, as writers. You know, I thought that I thought they kind of got, like you said, more groove oriented and it wasn't the speed thing that was, you know, on Rain and Blood. I think they grew definitely. At least at least Rain and Blood was like 32 minutes long and the songs are like two minutes. So it's like you're in and you're out. Yeah. You're like, what the hell was that? Like, So. Yeah, I, I I like the blend of material on this one, and uh, but I I am with you. I mean, it's you know like one of my wife's best friends, Slayer, is his favorite band, and he listens to them religiously. And I'm just like, man, there's not a lot of, oh man, there's not there's just not a lot of variance to it. So after you know a record or half a record, you're like, okay, I've had. I think that's good for me. Uh, Chris Aiken says their career is 100% spotty and generic after seasons in the abyss. The end was all down tuned boredom. Yeah, I, I would agree. And as soon as Tom or I started like putting fuck in every other lyric, I'm like, that's always like a, that's always to me. That's always like a filler word when you can't think of something else. So I see, see Aiken, I would say after divine intervention, I, I was a huge fan of Seasons and South of Heaven and stuff like that, and I I thought this fit right in there with it, at least to me. It was it was after this because I think the one after this was uh, they did that punk record, Undisputed Attitude, and then Diabolus and Musica, and I'm like, what is this crap? I hated those. So I have uh, God hates us all on CD. I think I listened to, to it like twice. Or I don't know. I don't even know why I bought it. I think I was like, oh, I hadn't heard a new Slayer one in a while, and I bought it, and it's like. Eh. Yeah, I, I just I didn't get into the the later half of their career, so, but um, all right. So at number five, what do you have? This will be the shocker of the whole list that no one will care about whatsoever. <laughs> okay, I have Toad the Wet Sprocket Dulcinier. <laughs> wow, I did not think we would get a Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah, uh, I, I love reference uh, on the show. I guess. Fear is their second album, I'm assuming. So this is album two and three for them. Yeah, I just I've always loved Glenn Phillips' voice as a songwriter, and and whenever I see them live, if I if I get a chance to see them live, I try to go every time because it's just a great puts on just a great show. I mean, they just go song to song to song. They don't BS around, and it's all mostly acoustic based, 
you know, mellow stuff with some kind of cool guitar things going on here and there. You, you know, you're mostly three and a half, four minutes you're out, you know. You can cram in 17, 18 songs in a night. And uh, I love all these songs because you can, you know, being a piano player, I can pick almost any one of these songs and I can, you know, sort of fart around with it on the piano. And, and if I could play guitar, I could pick it up and play them on guitar, you know. And I always like music like that. And just just a fun, like, especially like if you're out sitting around the campfire in the summertime or whatever, or out camping or, you know, on, going along in your lazy canoe or something, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I just always loved, loved that band. And, and um, this is one of my favorite albums. Yeah. I, this is another band I, I know nothing about. This was that man. Well, hey, Mike Schollenberger's on your side with this one too, man. He says, Toad is a great dark horse. Uh, ugh, I can't speak. Toad is a great dark horse choice. One of my college roommates' favorite bands. Heard that album many times. Yeah, it, it, these these types of bands, I I could never get into. And even as the years have gone by, like as my tastes have changed, which granted they haven't changed a ton, but first one to admit, well, I like um, the new Van Halen and the new Dream Theater. <laughs> pretty That's much it's it's pretty much man um well they, they, they get bonus points because i still think they did the best song on the kiss kiss my ass tribute album i mean they're i what, love their version of rock and roll all night they turned okay. it into a folk song it's like a round oh I mean, I it's fucking amazing i love it it sounds great to me see i'll i'll, I'll get to reworked versions of songs in two albums i ugh. Sometimes when these things get reworked, they just suck. I'm like, will you leave it alone, please? I love it because they, they didn't try to. They did it exactly how you know. I, I like that whole that whole uh, tribute album in general, though. I think it was done great. I remember liking, I think, two songs off of that. <laughs> that was it. Jim Blossom's "Christine 16" was good, and the Lenny Kravitz one I thought was decent. He Which did one did Deuce, he do? Deuce. I mean, that's okay. like it sounds like a Lenny Kravitz song. <laughs> Man, if if I was doing a Kiss tribute, I would I would want to pull like something not as well known. Like this is well known, but I would do something like like I I was I've always loved Shock Me. I love the Ace tunes. So as much as this record takes takes a beating, the Into the Void song from Psycho Circus would be fun. That'd be that'd be cool. Like Rocket Ride, the B, the, like the, you know the B side from uh, Live Two. Dangerous, danger me, danger me, oh. dangerous. <laughs> Didn't we spend like three hours at work one day making fun of that whole album? And, and yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Oh my god! All right, so the next one on my list was released on October fourth, nineteen ninety four, and this is a band that I actually opened for at Ron's Crossroads in Akron. I looked up the date today, December seventh of 1997 i opened for this band on the tour that came after this record that i'm about to mention but october 4th 1994 i have low by testament this is my gateway testament record and i have always absolutely loved it just absolutely loved it it it, and it's it's funny because it comes two years after the ritual which is pretty much like you know your standard you know, early Testament record. And then here comes low, just tuned down and brutal. And it was like, what the hell is this? And uh, just a fantastic record. I, I love it. There's really not, not much of a bad song on here for me. There's a couple I might skip, but 
I, I really, really love it. Uh, that that song "Dog Faced Gods" always makes me laugh because that was the catalyst for the subsequent record "Demonic," which was nothing but the death metal vocals. Because Chuck Billy said, "Oh, we played Dog Faced Gods live. Everybody loved it so much. We did a whole record of that stuff." But uh, the song "Low" is just awesome. Uh, Hail Mary's great. Even like the the ballad, I love the ballad on here. Trail of Tears, just just a great great testament record. I I really like this one. Yeah, I was kind of out of my whole testament um, thing at this point, and I didn't get back into them until like I don't know five six years ago, maybe a little little more than maybe like eight years ago. I think you had a live album or something you turned me on to. They've they've done a few live ones, or is it? Yeah, just there there was one right around this time. Yeah. Okay. It's like live at some I forget what it's called. Well, no, the one the live one I heard I thought was newer, but Oh but yeah, it had, okay. It had all this older stuff that I'd never really got never really heard, but yeah, I mean there's some like Trail of Tears I remember thinking was cool. Yep. And uh yeah, I mean just pretty much, you know, they don't do any too much stuff that's like not good, you know. Yeah. Almost everything has at least three or four that were you think these are good, you know. But they're one of that they're one of those really odd bands where later in their career, they're a lot heavier than they were at the beginning. You don't see that a lot. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So yeah, it's that from detuning and just production stuff or, well, I mean, it's detuning and production, but it's also the aggression of it. You know, they went, they sounded more like, you know, a B level Metallica on the first four or five records. And the, and now when you think yeah. of a Testament record, it's, it's that like really heavy, you know, kind of thrash and just, you know, intricate riffing. It's it's a lot more. There's a lot more meat on the bone. I think it, it's 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 weird, man. Well, I think they're they're able to mix metal with thrash more, whereas before maybe they were more kind of straight thrash. I guess. Yeah. Those lines, but Chris A. Controlling me says this is a great topic, John. <laughs> I'm shocked you haven't had Soundgarden Super Unknown on your list yet. Uh, Brian actually brought that one up earlier in the show, and you'll be happy to know that I did not crap on it. I did say that uh, Soundgarden is uh, one of my least favorite bands, and I pretty much left it at that, so I'm behaving myself tonight. So, All right, Brian, what is next on your list? This would be, what, number four, I believe, correct? Number four, you already talked about this one, Far Beyond Driven. Okay. So I guess we won't revisit it other than to say <laughs> pretty damn good. Yep. Those two pair of fellers, I tell you. They got a future. <laughs> All right. So next on my list was released on October 14th of 1994. And uh, I actually bought this record to listen to it today because I didn't realize it wasn't available to stream. So I just purchased the MP3s. And I do not like the original material on this one. It's like it's about like two thirds live, two thirds original. Uh, It is no quarter. Jimmy Page and Robert Plant unleaded by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, obviously. Uh, any anytime you can get Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in an in an acoustic environment, I am way 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 on board. Um, it's it, God, it's so good. I mean, it's just a fa- this record is worth it just just for the rain song. Anytime you give me the rain song, I'm in. I I that is my all time favorite Zeppelin tune. I I absolutely love it. It's actually one of my favorite songs ever by anybody. But um, yeah, the the original stuff like the studio stuff is all that world music and everything and i just i just do not care for it uh but you know the live stuff i mean robert plant gets a little goofy here and there with the robert plant isms 
you know, they do, you know, since I've been loving you. It doesn't sound like Robert Plant anymore. It sounds like a stutter. So I was like, all right, dude, let's get the word out. Come on. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the drummer they had on that stuff does a really, really good bottom. I mean, he's he's got some of the bottom isms to him, which was really cool. And the one thing I will say that I, I you know, we we're talking about reworked versions of songs. The version of No Quarter on this record sucks. I don't know who came up with the idea to do that, but you, you can't do that song without the really eerie Mellotron or something similar, at least if you're going to read. This was like just like banging loud power chords almost, and it had none of the attitude and vibe and just melancholy of the original. I was like, what is this? So that I did not like. So when you were talking about redoing songs that this is definitely an example of a monstrous turd so uh but you know most of the rest of it i absolutely love so gallows pole sped up it's great but again rain song i'm all in so uh were you aware of this record did you like it where do you stand with led zeppelin i don't think we've ever talked about zeppelin on the show before i love zeppelin i'm not one of those massive fanatics of them but Anyone who got to see them live, I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's 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 up there with the Beatles for the generation before us, you know. But yeah, but like anyone was like, oh yeah, I saw Kiss in '77 or Zeppelin in '76. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> How did that work exactly? You know? Yeah, sounds like something never happened. So I admit I know nothing about this album. I did see, and I was trying to check the year because my memory is always horrible. Uh, Page Plant concert i saw that at the what the time was the gund arena yeah okay it was an amazing show they had like uh i don't know five piece string section i think doing some stuff i think of all people a guy from the cure was one of the touring guitar players which i thought was a very interesting choice jimmy but, good to see by the way real quick says led zeppelin were gods yeah, speaking of gods, have you ever read? Maybe we talked about this. Have you read Hammer of the Gods? One of the best music yeah. books I've ever read. We did talk about that. Yeah, that. that yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea that's mm-hmm. like they're going to get paid, and the guy says, "Well, I don't think we're going to pay you or whatever." And he just pulls out a gun. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're paying us. I mean, it was yeah. so, so damn gangster, old school in those days. Like, now here's a gun to your head. You're going to pay me right now in cash. Like. Yep. Maybe, what, a suitcase full of like two hundred forty thousand dollars or something like yeah i don't know there's some oh. great, great i think i actually read that book like twice didn't they i think they did a re re-release of it with some more stuff added or something yeah it's it's a, it's a little bit expanded that's the one i have it's hard to find i think it's out of print so you got to kind of okay. do some do some digging for it but i i have a copy so definitely an excellent book um Chris Aiken says that he met Jimmy Page the night before that Clarksdale show at the Dio Maiden show. Amazing experience. I'd love to meet Jimmy Page. I, dude, he's he's weird to me. Real quick before we get what, to the next one on my list. But where do you stand on Jimmy Page? Like, I think he's one of the greatest songwriters to ever live, at least in terms of rock. Absolutely phenomenal rhythm guitar player. Not a good lead player. I, every time he comes up on the list of like greatest guitar players, I'm like that needs an asterisk because his lead playing is so unbelievably sloppy. It's, um, I guess I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you're insane. 
I mean, that's just, that's just the style. I mean, it, I, I guess I get what I, I get. You're such a Van Halen, you know, worshiper that you, I, I get, I get what you mean, but if it wasn't for Jimmy Page, there wouldn't be 90% of what's out there. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of a fact in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, and, and see, I'm not Van Halen. <laughs> Look at that. Chris Aiken. Yeah, Chris, yeah, again, Brian, turn his camera off. His iced tea has to be spiked. I'm telling you, man, it is sloppy. If you listen to that damn solo in the middle of um oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um hold on, I'm gonna look up the track listing. I can tell you what it is. Uh is it on this album? On this this doer one? Yeah, it's it's like was it Live and Love and Made, I wanna say, or Heartbreaker. It's like that oh. so, that solo break, like the you know. Well, it's freaking sloppy. First of all, negative points for for them for re- trying to redo this. Like, I you like this album, which is cool, but I, I think it's totally stupid when guys like this redo something they already did. That's like amazing. Like, I don't, I don't. It's like adding the stuff to the Star Wars movies, and I don't even, I don't want to know your opinion on that. <laughs> Whole other show for me. that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just always think that's silly, but like you said, they they did try to make stuff acoustic. So, so I don't know. I haven't heard the album, so I guess I can't comment on it, but, but I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, I understand your, what you're saying only because I know you, anyone else is going to say, turn the microphone off. No, I mean, look, I mean, Aiken, Aiken no. says again, he says this from a guy that loves slash same style of drunken slash stoned feel playing. no. Jimmy Page is sloppy and Slash is not. There is a difference between feel and there's a difference between having feel and playing sloppy. His lead playing is sloppy. Okay? I mean, if, if I had it all all queued up, if I could do it quickly, I would pull it up and give you examples. But his leads are freaking sloppy. John I'm pointing not, out Jimmy Page not being that good. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not that good. I'm saying I said he's like one of the best songwriters ever, one of the best rhythm guitar players ever, like just so beautiful melodically. But his leads are sloppy, and he's well, a good lead player. It's just sloppy. He went back and practiced. I bet he'd get a lot better. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. At 82 or whatever he is. Dude, I, like, I mean, Aiken mentioned Slash. Slash isn't sloppy. Eddie is not sloppy, and he plays with a lot of, like, he's got, you know, that feel to him, that rock and roll kind of looseness. And but and Jimmy Page is just, it's, it's freaking sloppy. Uh, Chris, can you figure out a way to turn this? Like, you know more about this. <laughs> can you turn his mic and his camera off? Mostly his oh, mic. You guys suck. You guys suck. All right. So you, we're into your top three now. So what do you have at number three? Number three, I have the only album in recorded history where there is a segment where the there's a sample dropped in where the guy says, if it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Okay. And talking about the ill communication by the B E A S T I E boys. Wow. Man, okay. What, a, what an incredible opus this this thing is. Like I, I love this album. I mean, Root Down, Sabotage, Sure Shot. I mean, it just I just think it's a great piece of art. It's fun. There's a twist around every turn. I mean, I've always loved the way that these three guys just weave their voices in and out. They all have a different, you know, a different style, a different timbre to their voices. Like it, it all just always like it always amazes me. Like the, they have a formula, but they can change it on the, like 
they can change it on the you know twist of a dime and like just go some other crazy way and they don't have to drop in all those samples and get your feet moving and get your head bouncing and then you're still singing along to the stupid lyrics like <laughs> like they're so beyond juvenile but they're also incredible at the same time so i i, I love it yeah i think it, be- beastie boys is weird for me because it's like it's not something i actively listen to but i mean i do i do like a lot of their songs you know, I but I, I'm also someone that's like the, what little rap that I'm into. I've never really been able to listen to an entire rap album all the way through because it just it eventually gets so repetitious for me. But the Beastie Boys, like you said, it's like they don't really have that, you know, style. They, they, they'll they do. They'll do something like, you know, they'll go from like girls. From, you know, License to Ill and then they'll go to like Sabotage, you know, which is like some kind of like funk like distorted bass type thing it's it's really cool and um what 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 are the what are the like the the more well-known songs on on this record because i feel like there's one on here that i absolutely love and I, i'm I, well I the three remember. i named are the, are the biggest ones sure shots the first one root down and sabotage those are probably the three biggest okay. ones, honestly all right but i think this is the first album too where they played they started playing all the instruments rather than just like kind of sampling and using drum machines and things like that yeah, so they're, they're playing, you know, a lot of the stuff on this, which is just so damn cool. It is. I wonder if this is. Is this the one that has? Uh, is it called "What You Want"? Like it's just. I know it goes to. Uh, so what you what you what you want? That's. I don't think I that's love, on this one. Okay, on this well, one? I was wondering if it was this or not. So if it's not, then we can move on. But. Um. Actually, it might be. Yeah, I just I that that backbeat is so heavy. I love that. And it that, that organ like like oh it's it's heavy dude I like it yeah, but maybe there is on this one now you got me wondering because that See, that was one of the ones they started playing I know it's not on Paul's boutique because I just looked that up <laughs> so I it wasn't yeah I don't know it's not showing on here this is ma- making for, such for a great so we know nothing I know <laughs> we're doing a terrible job with our. Uh, Beastie Boys the songs that we, Yeah, it's not on here. That's weird. No. Oh well. So that's a that's one of the Beastie tunes I like. But yeah. Um, all right. So the next one on my list, I have to skip because we're we have we both have this one and we're gonna do that one last. Uh. So my second to last record was released on November first, nineteen ninety four. And it's famous for being a little bit creepy, I suppose, or sad. However, you look at it, considering this guy killed himself seven months prior i have unplugged in new york by nirvana so i when i was in high school in 94 my senior year i i had my my little six month nirvana kick where i was all about all the nirvana stuff um so by the time this record came out i was not in my nirvana kick but i still thought it was awesome and i thought the set list choices on this record were really 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 good because you know they pulled out stuff that definitely worked great in an acoustic environment and the cover tunes worked really well because you know it w- it made it something a little bit different it wasn't just hey here's a whole pile of nirvana tunes there was some other weird songs but it just fit in really cool because it was a different almost like a different style from them but it still blended well with the with the nirvana tunes they chose so i man I, this is another one that i listened to in its entirety today cuz i hadn't gone back to it in so many years and i really loved it I, his voice is so intriguing to me because it's not like he has a great voice, 
but it's so unique and it's one of those you know for me as a quote-unquote singer there's very few people that you can sing and never get it right you can you can get close to pretty much a lot of vocalists if you're trying to cover a lot of styles Kurt Cobain is one of those you can't get him you just there's no way to do it because he was like imperfect in so many ways yet on the pitch on the beat and you just can't recreate that so I've I've always thought he's got a really cool voice for that reason uh, where do you stand on this record if you give a crap about it at all <laughs> I had to look it up to see what's on it because not familiar honestly um I I don't know I was one of those people I guess I, I was not a fan of Nirvana 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 being unplugged it just didn't do it for me I can't stand that man who sold the world <laughs> really okay well, okay uh, I don't know it just it just droned on for me and um I don't know I just I liked them when they had the power of the, the amplifiers turn up the 11. <laughs> and, um, okay yeah i just not my thing but but i get why it's you know especially now why it's probably so insanely popular you know yeah i mean is I, it probably the most watched talked about mtv unplugged they ever had probably i mean I, it's got to be up there right this one announced the chains and yep well it's because they never did did justice by the queensrike unplugged which is cr- absolutely criminal but I would I would love to have that entire thing like somewhere, but it's almost impossible to find. I've scoured eBay and all kinds of places for it. So I didn't even uh, know that existed. By the way, so Jimmy is a good friend of mine, Jim Bartek. Uh Jim, it's not Chris, okay? The person commenting in the chat is me. So you're <laughs> not talking to Chris. Man. So all right. Well, so what is number two on your list then? Number two is about that that uh youngster who was trapped on a continent that euthanasia <laughs> well that's that's the last one on my list before we get to our common one so uh, let's let's dig into that one yeah you know i i'm gonna go full disclosure here when this album came out i was a big eh, and this over the years has really grown on me as uh i really love this album now uh really different production and okay I almost don't know if I think that this is a metal album. Stuff like Killing Road, that to me is not metal. And even like Train of Consequences and stuff, it has that chunky rhythm thing going where I'm assuming they're kind of detuned also, maybe, maybe not. But they're, you know, playing that that chunky rhythm where it's not even a chord. You know, they're like scraping the picks and doing some weird Mm -hmm. kind of grungy, punky type things that to me are not really metal. So I don't I don't consider this a metal album. I consider it a really good Megadeth hard rock album. But like Train of Consequences, obviously I love uh, Toot Le Monde. I mean, they almost always play that great tune. Um, but I don't know. Where do you stand? Do you feel like this is a true metal album or, or, or no? I never thought about it that way until you just mentioned it. Um, I, I, th- I think I think what you just said has a lot of merit this is the more rock feel version of countdown to extinction countdown to extinction obviously infamously they were like on the metronome making sure every hit of the pick on every guitar and bass uh part you know every hit of the drum everything was smack dead on you know (laughs) sorry (laughs) 
Aiken says, Jimmy Page plays bad leads and euthanasia wasn't metal. Did I miss the bowl of acid being passed around? All right, look, I'm going to clarify this for you assholes that can't listen. No, I didn't right say. About, he's right about the first part. The second okay, part no. <laughs> I didn't say Jimmy Page's leads were bad. I said they were sloppy. Get the shit out of your ears. Good Lord. Why do I got to repeat myself? You know, it's my show. I don't have to repeat myself. I'm just an idiot. Next time we do uh, these episodes, Chris has to be on with us. Just so he can, <laughs> I want to see him rip you like in real time live and see his that's, face. That's fine. The the, ne- the next year would be uh would be, it would be uh are we gonna do ninety f- are we gonna do ninety five for change of seasons or are we skipping to ninety ninety seven for uh falling into infinity? Oh, we can do ninety five. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I think I I don't think it's not a metal record. Chris, I think everyone associates sloppy with good. All right, I have to admit that was great. All right, Aiken, you asshole. A part can be written well and performed poorly. That's called sloppy. Okay. <laughs> he writes good leads. They're just not performed well. Why why am I even bothering with you? You don't know shit about music. You really don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. Seriously, at least where the technicality is concerned, and you admit that yourself. So shut up. Actually, Chris, you can fix this because you've met Jimmy Page, so you can go back to him and say, sir, you need to practice a little bit more. Your leads are sloppy. <laughs> I don't know. He might put a curse on him. He's into all that black magic shit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that it, it's not metal per se, but I think it definitely has a rock feel to it. I, I, I agree with you there. It's more. A little bit more accessible. It's not as in the, you know, the heavy pocket, like, you know, most of the stuff on, you know, the previous Megadeth records, especially Countdown. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with you mostly. I still think it is a metal record, though, but I think it definitely has a more of a hard rock feel to it. Um, I also think it's it's the last truly great Megadeth record. A lot of people are really into cryptic writings. I like that record, but it's it's okay. Um, you know, and then after that, of course, you know, they didn't really get back to their good stuff, really good stuff until, you know, like Endgame and uh, Dystopia and whatnot. So um, great record, though. So uh, Aiken, by the way, you're going to want to stick around for the last record we're talking about because I think you will actually agree with us 100% on that one. So, Well, I've got uh, one before you get to that. I have mine, number one, and then we have that one. I was just about to tease that. Let me segue okay. this stuff, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job here. <laughs> so <laughs> so speaking of one more, you actually have one more on your own list, Brian. So. Oh, well, thank you, John. <laughs> All right, so what is number one on your list before we get to our combined selection? My number one starts with a sound bite from a movie of a guy who basically your entire existence is based around. Okay. George Lucas's THX 1138. It is the sound of a man being beaten, and it starts out the downward spiral, nine inch nails, Mr. Self Destruct. Chris Aiken, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> uh, I was wondering when this one was going to come up. I, yeah. you could, th- this one I'm going to put you in solo mode because I have nothing to say. Uh, at least nothing good. 
Oh my gosh. This is an absolute blistering clinic masterpiece in how to make an album using technology. Um, it's so dark. It's so heavy. It's got such a great groove. When this was performed live, basically almost in its entirety, I mean, every single song was just like you were just completely exhausted by the end of it. Uh, visually, especially what they do with with all the fog, with the lights. Trent's always on the cutting edge when it comes to their live performances, but they're, to me, to this day, I don't know if there's been a better album using technology than possibly Downward Spiral, Nine Inch Nails. And um, I think it's probably one of those that would probably be my top five albums of all time and probably never move from that spot. I'm not going to put it number one, but yeah, just, I mean, this is the album that completely launched his entire career. And now the guy does soundtracks for animated movies and writes stuff for pop stars and scores everything else. And um, Chris Aiken, Brian, thoughts on The Fragile after? I actually love The Fragile. I think it's, maybe it's a little too ambitious because it's a double double CD, double album, but um, super dark. I think it's a good uh it's there's a lot of elements of prince on on fragile i feel as well which is going to sound weird but anyway yeah downward spiral i don't know i can't there's i can't say enough superlatives about it good and you probably can't think of enough superlatives bad so <laughs> i can't get over the fact that you just mentioned that there's a double nine inch nails record and it sounds prince ish that is <laughs> That like you could not. There are not enough words in the English language to try and describe a record that that you want to keep me as far away from as possible. But you just used a lot of them in that sentence. Actually, it's more actually with teeth is the one that has probably more Prince type things on it. But I don't know he's always had Ugh. some Prince elements, but not not in the you know pussy control. You know, oh, not in sort of God. that not in sort of that weird stupid vein. <laughs> But, you know, just to do it yourself, I'm locked in the studio for days and I do every instrument. And things okay. Like that. So that's where I've got Downward Spiral. Okay. I have no thoughts. Um, not a fan, never was, never will be, but he's insanely, insanely talented. So I think that's cool. The Blowfish? Do you have thoughts on that? I do not. But, Brian, you know what record I do have thoughts on? What? It's an album that uh, you and I both had on our list and we decided to close the show with it so that we can get into this and i know chris aiken will finally agree with both of us on this one uh this is a record that was released on october 18th of 1994 and when this one came out i actually did not like it uh chris aiken go fuck yourself he's trying to troll me by saying prince is better than eddie on guitar whatever <laughs> uh when this record came out they actually did on headbangers ball they had they had rented out an airplane hanger and had a bunch of their fans listening to the record for the first time on headphones. Inside an airplane hangar, that would be Promised Land by Queensryche. And uh, like I said, when this one first came out, Brian, I was not a fan. I did not like this record. But as the years have gone on, it has really, really, really grown on me to now. It's it's definitely you know, one of my favorite Queensryche albums. It's And you know what's weird for this about this record for me, man, is that I can't figure out why. Because it's weird. It's, 
I, I was I was listening to it today and trying to figure out like why do I like this? It's not, you know, that Mike Schollenberger agrees with us. He says huge, huge album, so underrated. Yeah, it, Mike, it really is. And like I say, I, I think what what does it for me, Brian, is that it's there's just this mood and melancholy about it, you know, throughout the whole thing. It, it's it's not. I mean, it's very dark. And Queensryche was never like that upbeat, happy type of band, but this is really kind of like a bummer, and uh, it's it's almost like a midlife crisis happening or something. And you know, it's not straight ahead like you know, like Mind Crime was, or especially you know, Empire was. I kind of feel like this is Empire if you mixed it with Rage for Order, and. Man, I, Jim Jim Bartek, Jimmy, he agrees with us. I got to be honest, Jim. I didn't think you would like this one. He says Queensrÿche's last good album. Uh, yeah. I, I, I although I will say, Jim, I like the Todd Latore stuff. And don't give me this no Tate, no Queensrÿche crap because Todd Latore sounds great in that band. But uh, yeah, I mean, of of the at least the Tate lineup, yeah, this is definitely the last good one. So, but yeah, I, I think what gets me is is the is the vibe on this one, man. What what are your thoughts on on Promised Land? I feel it's um I think rage is is a kind of a good comparison. I do feel there's elements of mind crime in here just in the way the riffs some of the riffs are constructed. Okay. But, man, stuff like damaged, I am I, I mean so so damn good. I I love I think real world is like one of the most beautiful melodies that they've and it's just a su- super simple thing but when he comes in and he just starts singing that chorus like I don't know, I get chills on that song. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this I'll be fully. Uh, I didn't even know this was out when it came out, and then they were touring and they came to uh, CSU, and uh, ended up going to that show after I had got the album, got to listen to it a little bit. Man, great show! By the way, I mean they sounded great. I think it was the last time they really could kind of draw a decent, decent crowd because it really kind of went downhill with them after that for whatever reason. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, there's a big reason here in the now frontier. Well, I, I just think in general, just the music climate in general, and 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 you know, they were never gonna, they weren't gonna do another, you know, empire. It wasn't just wasn't gonna be in the cards. But this was a great album, man. Yeah. Well, Aiken says definitely great. Last time that Tate wrote with the band instead of for the logo on the album cover. Yeah, um, I, I'm not familiar with the writing relationship like you are, Chris, but um. If that's the case, you can definitely hear it. That's for sure. Um, I I, ju- I just like that there's so many different flavors on this album. It's a very interesting listen, but it still has those old school Queensrÿche tones. Like Eddie Jackson just has the most badass bass tone ever. Yeah, <laughs> it almost sounds like a third rhythm guitar. You know, when, when he's chunking away in the verses and stuff. And like I say, it's just interesting, and it, it's got enough of a classic Queensrÿche sound to get into it. But then there's those weird things. You're like, what the hell is that? And again, like there, there a couple like some of the sound effects they use are really cool. And a, a few times they use like that giant echoey reverb. So it's almost like sounds like they're just this band under one spotlight playing in this giant empty like warehouse and everything else around them is black and dark. And it it's just a really interesting thing to listen to. There's almost elements of um I just thought of this. There's almost elements of Toto in this to me. 
Okay. It's really diverse sounds going on. And, and like you said, the sound effects and um, the bass, you know, it, there's something about, like you said, Jackson's bass tone mixed with, you know, DeGarmo's guitar. Like you instantly know that's Queen's Reich. You know, you can just tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's weird. Like, like I said, when this first came out, I, I hated it. And, you know, I mean, truth be told, like, I mean, we talk all the time on the show that I'm very narrow minded. But I mean, back then I was really narrow minded. <laughs> like, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And so when this came out, I was, you know, expecting let's hear some more Empire. Let's hear some more Mind Crime. Let's hear some more Rage for Order. And, you know, the first single, I Am I, I mean, to this day, that's my least favorite song on the record. And I, when they put that out, I, I saw the video. I'm like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> I was just, I couldn't believe it. And I, I, I imagine being in that hangar, and I'm like, if the rest of the record is like this, I just wondered if, if a bunch of those people, and they were trying not to get caught on camera going, what the fuck is this? What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> so I just wondered if like people were hating it and they couldn't do anything because they were live on the air with MTV. But um, yeah, this is uh, what, a classic example of like one of those albums that, when you start getting it and when you don't like it at first and it just grows on you and grows on you over time and eventually it becomes like just something you can re-listen to all the time and it becomes one of your favorites. This is a perfect example of that for me. You know, as much as it's cliche to say like, you know, I, I when I think of that, I think of a Van Halen record like uh, I think of OU812 because that's another one. I hated it when I first heard it. For, you know, and But over the years, I've grown to really love it and now I go back to that one all the time. And I think this is the ultimate example of that for me, a record I just could not get into. And now I just devour it all the time. I, I think it's great. And I am jealous that you saw him on that tour because I've heard some uh, professionally recorded stuff from that tour and they sounded like they were just absolutely killing it. So, yeah, they were they were they were top of their game for sure. Yeah, this is just a great album. I mean, it sounds so huge. And um, I, I like the fact that it's not that it's not Empire. But it's you know it's also not mind crime it it you know it's it's its own entity you know it it doesn't sound like any of their other albums at all I mean for sure as hell it doesn't sound like the super old stuff obviously yeah but um, yeah it's funny that you didn't like I am I remember the first time I heard it, I thought it was great I mean it reminded me of like a Queen's Reich doing Cashmere or something you know with those strings and stuff in there yeah I I it just didn't sound like Queen's Reich to me it just didn't sound like Queen's Reich to me it was you know. And again, I it's still my least favorite song on the album. Like I listen to it now and I can get into it and stuff, but back then it was just you know, I was ready for Jet City Woman or I don't believe in love or something like that, you know, I walk in the shadows and that's definitely not that. Um my last thought on this one for me, we talked earlier about Far Beyond Driven and how Planet Caravan was such a kick-ass album closer. And I think this record has an awesome closer as well. I'm a big fan of somebody else. Uh, because it's just you know Jeff Tate and a piano, and I, I I think his voice sounds fantastic in that environment, to the point where there's like an extended version of this record, and they've got a full band version of somebody else, and it's not good. It just takes away all of the ambience of it, and I don't like the chord choices in some spots, and it's just it's like yeah, let's keep it the way it was, guys. <laughs> so I would love to know so, if they actually someone else, someone else. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. One of my favorite records, and I don't even know the damn song title. That's good. <laughs> oh, always good to bring knowledge to the table yeah. that way, idiot. 
No, yeah, that, that piano thing is is amazing, man. I remember hearing it. And I was like, wait, this is Queen Strike, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, well, all right, man. Well, this was this was a good time. I, I like when we do these. So, uh, yeah, we we might have to have Aiken on as a special guest when we do our next one. Are we going to do ninety five or are we going to do ninety seven? Yeah, let's do ninety five. Why not ninety five? So we can't get a change of seasons. We have to get ten other records. Okay. I feel like uh, that's going to be a tough year for some reason. I don't know. I, it's 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 I know I know there's definitely uh, a, a very 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 easy one for me. So, uh, Mike Schollenberger, he says someone else maybe my favorite song on the album, and Aiken and Mike have a couple uh, honorable mentions. Their choices. Aiken says, "Don't know if you mentioned these, but some honorable mentions." Uh, Dickinson's Balls to Picasso. I, I actually almost had that on my list, oddly enough. Um, Stabbing Westward's Ungod, Gilby Clark Pawn Shop Guitars, and the true number one, I knew he would say this one, uh, the self-titled Motley Crue record. Oh, God. I, I just, man. He's I, as bad trying to sell that as you are trying to say, sell the last Van Halen one. <laughs> Dude, a different kind of truth is awesome. Shut the fuck up. You are hey, so um, wrong. Okay, so there's a few others that Mike Schellenberger. I had a you know a couple of these I actually had also on my didn't make uh, Dogman King's X, Division Bell, Pink Floyd. Uh, you did mention one that I did not put on there. It was tough to leave off. Black Sabbath, Cross Purposes. Yep, I I, I thought you would have that on there because I know you're I know you're a fan of that record. Yeah, I love the Tony Martin stuff. I don't know. It was just hard to. I I know that I love the other two albums, two of the other albums more. So I was like, eh, it was hard okay. to just put that one on here but uh okay. yeah man i mean put some pretty damn the first weezer album came out the blue album also cool stuff on there okay so jim bartek is also a fan of balls to picasso I mean, let's face it, the, the dickinson solo stuff was really good i thought uh aiken wants to know did he miss stp purple i didn't have it on here and neither did uh neither no, did brian didn't have it. we had one one other guy john put that down as a good one yeah Decent, decent yep. album. I like, I, I like it more than the first one, that's for sure. But I was never a big STP guy. I kind, I like the hits, kind of. And then yep. after that, I tried listening to the. It's like Foo Fighters for me. Like I, I the hits are, are cool, and then I, I go and try and listen to the rest of the records. So, oh, maybe I'll like more. Like no, the ones that aren't hits just suck to me. I yeah. just can't get into them. I don't know why, but you know, just personal preference. So, uh, yeah. So all right. So the next time we do this, we'll we we've agreed we'll do 1995. So Aiken, if you want to jump on. And come up with ten albums you would you would come up with for nineteen ninety five. We should do that. That'd be a that'd be a good time. So uh uh oh he's okay. One last comment on Dickinson. Skunk Works was pretty average. Okay. Well was that his so that that wasn't under the was that under the Dickinson moniker or that was the actual band name, right? No, I think that was I think that was him. I'll have to go check Balls to Picasso out again because I love the tattooed millionaire the first one he did but i i don't know i could never get into the other stuff i'll have to check those out yep. again so well cool man so we're gonna be back here in two weeks uh what the hell is the date gonna be on that one that's gonna be november let me see november 3rd yeah it'll be it'll be thursday november 3rd at 7 30 p.m eastern standard time and we are going to be doing an album deep dive into dream theater's latest release a view from the top of the world so more Dream Theater content coming your way there. Um, this was a blast, dude. I like doing this. I'm glad you came up with with this idea. It's fun to kind of 
talk some stuff other than Dream Theater, see what else we're into and whatnot. And you always have really good in- input on these things and I always have some albums that I've never even thought to listen to that I go back and check out. So appreciate uh, appreciate your input on this one. So I guess I will see you in two weeks, man. So thanks for hanging out. Yeah, uh, to- as, as Red would say, get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, look at Jim Bartek. I'm spinning Dream Theaters made in Japan right now. I am not surprised at all, Jim. <laughs> Mike Schollenberger, Chris Aiken, Chastity Crawley. Thank you guys for hanging out in the chat. Our good buddy Joseph Wren, appreciate you. Kale McLeish. Uh, as I said, guys, we'll see you in two weeks on Thursday, November 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here at these four locations, Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMS network.com remember if you are watching on youtube don't forget to smash that subscribe button so that you are notified every single time every time we go live and uh if you would like to take part in our big fan hangout show on friday december 30th if you would like to co-host with brian and i just shoot us an email to talking into infinity at gmail.com like chastity crawley did she will be joining us on camera that night and if you'd like to join us on camera uh, if you want to drink Gorilla Farts like I'm going to be doing because I'm a complete idiot, uh, again, just <laughs> shoot us an email at talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com. So uh, for myself, I am John. He is Brian. And we'll see you in two weeks, guys. And until then, carpe diem.